Legend. How you doing, man? Good, how are you? All is well. I love y'all. Yes, show. Where Fred at? See, Chad, he don't even know you went to Florida. I got something for my Gators this week for the first time. Yeah. Tickets and everything else. And to to any home game that's available. Right. Obviously, Gator basketball. I'm like. It's been 20, 30 some years. This is wow. the first time one just yeah. dropped in. I'm this like, is the first the time you ever been first invited time? back? No, it's not the first time I've been invited back, but mm-hmm. what made this is different is because they sent me tickets. They saying I got tickets, four tickets yeah. to any game. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's crazy. Specifically. Yeah. You know, Man, they came they got, in a gator package. They got to reach out more. Legends? That's my point. Yeah. A legend I, like you? Because I knew I ain't going to get none. They ain't going to send me that nothing. That legend is, is, is left in history. That's what they celebrate in history of what this guy did. They, now they're starting to bring the guy they, they, in. They, they are. They're, they're trying to get it together. They should get it together. It's crazy that it's taking that long, though, because I know that. Uh, I think that started maybe two or three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but you should have been the first one. That you <laughs> first, second, or whatever. Right. Matter. We ain't going to talk about I, the just, fact that. You need your statue out front too. Man, I don't care about that statue. <laughs> but they can go uh, give me some uh they can give me some money that I left on the table. Since they got this NIL <laughs> going on. I want, <laughs> retro, retro I NIL. Want my, I want no, I want it with interest. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you get that quarterback deal, that 13.8. That was insane. Yeah, we couldn't do it. We he's here now. He went to Arizona State. Yeah. 13.8? He had a 13.8 million dollar deal. I gotta see the contracts. They showed I, it. That the, so you can you can look it up and find it. Okay. He was gonna get two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month as a freshman. Kiss me in my mouth. <laughs> With tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need tongue. <laughs> but come on. Yeah. Yeah. No man, see straight, that's why we need reparations, bro. School. I need mine. It means they need reparations. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody signs a four-year, thirteen million dollar deal, you'll be like, yeah, that's a, that's decent money for a baby. That was my second contract. Yeah. Wow. wow. Now this man that's my second way. contract with the Cowboys. That was like 92, 90, 93. 90, 92. Oh, so he hit Right after the very first Super Bowl. Wow. My first, my second contract was $13.5 million. And you held out for that. And I'm, I didn't hold out. I missed those first two games, though. What's Tell the me? difference between holding out and missing the okay, first two games? Holding out is when you have a contract and you want more money. Ah, so you just waiting to my get your contract My contract was over. Okay. That I had fulfilled my obligation. Okay. And, and I'm sitting here stuck between a rock and a hard place because mm-hmm. it can't go nowhere. Right. I only have one team now to negotiate after the 30 days went by when you're a free agent. And I was a restricted free agent at the time. This is when it first hit. So I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. I, nobody, the other 28 teams, the 30-some teams, never offered me a, a, not one contract. Wow. That's Left me to go right back to Jerry Jones and negotiate with Jerry Jones straight. So you, you, you coming in, what you signed, a two-year deal? Four-year deal reverted oh. to a three-year deal. Okay. Got it. So when I signed as a rookie, it was a four-year deal. All I had to do was play one down and revert it back to a three-year deal, okay. which would have took me back to the free agency market right then and there. But then they were negotiating the collective bargaining agreement for the first right. time. Right. And so my contract was coming up, and I had went from rookie of the year, leading the league in rushing in 91, leading the league in rushing in 92, to the Super Bowl in 92. We win the Super Bowl. My contract is up. Right. Wow. All my obligations are done. And so I get in a free, restricted free agency. Right. I got 30 days to negotiate with 20-some-odd teams to come right. on, come play with them. And, then not, and not one gave me a contract, gave me an offer. What would, did you have any conversations with them? 
Man, I picked up the phone and called Don Shula myself and told him I wanted to come to Miami and play for Miami. Because I knew Dan Marino didn't have a running game. Right. Yep, yep. And I wanted to come. Crazy. And I said, crazy. I want to go back. I want to, I want to help you, help Dan and whatever, get a, get a championship. Bring me back to the state of Florida. Right. He said, well, I don't know if I can make that offer. I said, because if, if you do, if I do make this offer and you don't come, all my other players were seeing what I put on the table for you, mm-hmm. and it's going to mess up my, my chemistry. Right. I'm going to just put something on the table that Jerry cannot refuse. Right. Something that he says, I cannot match it. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I can't do that. That's crazy. And, I, and I said to myself, mm-hmm. really? In hindsight, I know Shula was like, damn. Especially in 93 when you took off and led the league and everything. So you're right. I did miss those first two games, but it was because I was negotiating my deal. I didn't have to have a contract. See, I needed, I needed that clarification. Or that's yeah. different. But that's how the media twisted yeah. it. The media twisted it as if I was holding out. And people think that I held out. No, I was negotiating. It's a different term right. than hold out. Hold out seems like I withheld myself and my services that was already obligated. But I had fulfilled my deal. I didn't have no more to do, except for get a new contract. Right. Free agency was so different then because it was fresh and new. And so to everybody, it's like, oh, Emmitt Smith held out. And because they went 0-2, yeah. you know, everybody knew, all right, hold on. We realized Emmitt is the glue to everything we do. We got to get this done. But it does give it kind of a different perception where you're saying, oh, I was just negotiating to get my money. That's all I was doing. Yeah. I was negotiating to come back to play at a reasonable rate. And I still think I came in under, under what I was really shooting for. Mm, yeah. But at the end of the day, when you lose the first two games, you see your teammates, man, and it's just, it's killing me at home. I mean, we, our first game against the Skins at the time, I'm sitting at home on a Monday night with my parents back in Pensacola mm-hmm. watching this game. And we lose to the Skins, and I'm watching Derek Lassett do the best that he can. Mm-hmm. And things just look, look crazy. And I'm mad because I can't stand them. Can't stand Washington team. And that's the team I was It's like playing Florida State. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, <laughs> And so we lost that game. Then I ended up going to Tallahassee to watch my brother Emory play because Clemson, I played, played Florida State that weekend. And, uh, and then I'm watching the Bills game. We lose that one. Then I hear all the commotion that goes. I'm like, man, this, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Then my phone started ringing. <laughs> Before you know it, I was on a plane and getting picked up in, Al- in Atlanta, heading back to Dallas. But you proved your point. You it proved your point. See, Without my, you, they couldn't do it. But maybe that's the case. But y'all, if y'all ain't shooting, you sh- might want to start shooting. No, I was, I was trying to. I was, yeah, you started talking. I was trying to start the show. Hold up. Limitless. They can send me a pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Low on me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. They can send me a pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. It is truly an honor to be in the presence of greatness. Uh, Emmett Smith, NFL's all time leading rusher, a record that seems to be coming. Uh, becoming more and more unbreakable as the game changes and as we get far away from humans like you who could play that position in such a physical time in the league and dominate year after year with that extended excellence. So to have you sit down with us is truly 
and honor for our show. We got fellow Gator running back, Freddie T. You didn't even know Channing played for Florida. Uh, Channing Crowder. I, I, I done met him a hundred times. <laughs> he walked in, hey, nice to meet you, big fella. <laughs> he hit you with the, we're free. <laughs> uh, I'm RC, welcome to The Pivot. It's a Hall of Fame edition uh, with all-time great running back, Emmitt Smith, Hall of Famer, NFL's leading rusher. Thank you to Happy Dad and DraftKings, our partners and our sponsors. Thank you to all the people that support the show. This is, listen, we've been talking for 15 minutes before we even started and did the intro to the show. So you already know what kind of show it's going to be. But just in explaining what it was like to not be holding out, but to be negotiating right. at a time that was different in sports. You know, these boys now, they, they can hold out. They got franchise tags. You don't sign to a certain point. There's so much more leverage now yeah. for players as opposed to that time for you. And you say sitting at home, watching your boys go down 0-2 was difficult for you. But that did push not only you, but the team to understand what Emmett Smith meant. I'm going to fast forward a little bit, which is something I never do. In October of 2002, you go to the stadium one day and you bring four jerseys mm -hmm. because you understand what part of history you're going to be on the side of. Yeah. When you're walking into a stadium that day and all that work, run, run, Emmett, run from your mama Mary, from your father, Emmett Jr., all those things come to a head one day. What was it like for you to know that you were about to be the league's all-time leading rusher? Well, first and foremost, thank you guys. Y'all have one hell of a show, by the thank way. Thank you. One mm -hmm. hell of a show. But to answer your question, uh, I get chills just thinking about it because uh, as a young man in Pensacola, Florida, growing up, the only way you see yourself out is two ways. You either got to go to college or you go in the military. There was no other way for me. Uh, I wasn't thinking um, that I was going to go get a job. I did not want to stay home. And so as, I, as my skill set continued to evolve, hearing everybody saying that I'm not this, I'm not that, but yet as we play in the SEC, as you guys know, with the best conference in the country, and everybody see that now. As you come through that conference, you realize that you have a skill set that is pretty unique yeah. and that you're built tough. And so um, on that day, that particular day, so many different emotions just came to the surface. Even losing Peyton in the process, knowing that he was not gonna be there was an emotional moment for me because I had met him like in 92, 93 mm. in Dallas at a Dope Walker Award. And uh, for the first time, and I got a chance to, you know, some people go ask for an autograph and pictures and stuff. I got that, but, I wanted to know, I needed some insight. I needed to know what it was gonna take mm -hmm. and how I had to work in order to get it. So I asked all kinds of questions. I wanted him to break down his workout regimen, his recovery regimen, his eating habits, his sleeping patterns. <laughs> I wanted to know everything. Yeah. And he just downloaded to me, just downloaded it free. And from that point forth, I knew I was on a serious mission. Because I came in the league with, with, with goal setting and everything else because this is what I learned in high school. Yeah. So on that list was definitely not being 1 in 15 when I first got there. Right. Didn't want to do that. And I knew we weren't going to be 1 in 15 because Jimmy wasn't going to have that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I want to lead the league in rushing. I wanted to be rookie of the year. I wanted to do all these things. I had my team goals. I had my individual goals. And all of my individual goals at the top was to be the all-time leading rusher. Wow. 
And I knew it was going to take 13 years at least because it took Peyton 13 years. Mm. And so that day going into the stadium, I knew in my heart it had to happen right then and there because we was going to be on the road two weeks in a row after that point on. And I didn't want to break it yeah. on the road and not be celebrated the way it needed to be celebrated. So that day I was like, oh, my gosh, I was like in the zone. And I'm in it, in it to win it, undeniable. Didn't matter who was in front of me. I was going to run my ass off to get there. And uh, I gave it everything I had. And my teammates was, was excellent. Even when I broke the record, I didn't even know what to do. <laughs> I was like, how you celebrate this? How you celebrate this? Because I've never seen it happen before in the middle of a game. Right. I'm, a, I'm in the middle of a game. How did I go from an emotional high to like, to like celebrating something and got to get back in it? Yeah. And it was crazy. But seeing my mom on the sideline and my baby boy and my family on the sideline and the Peyton family was there and all, it was a surreal moment. And um, unfortunately, we didn't close it out the way we wanted to. We didn't yeah. win it. Kind of like LeBron did the other night. Yep. How do you do that? And so for an athlete, it's like you're torn. How do you celebrate something so significant in a loss? We recently witnessed uh, LeBron James breaking Kareem's record that stood for 40 years. Right. And on the flip side of that, you said you didn't know how to feel because you had never seen it. Right. But you felt some type of way, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Now that your record, as R.C. says, seems unbreakable. It's been standing almost 21 years. This October be 21 years. Do you think Kareem thought that record was safe? And do you think your record is safe? I don't know if Kareem actually thought his record was safe, especially with Jordan on the court. Hmm. I mean, with Jordan playing, I mean, I grew up with coaches telling us records are made to be broken. They're made to be broken. Right. And if a man did it before, I believe this, this is myself. I believe that if a man did it before, another man can do it again. Mm. The question is, what is the circumstances that that person is under? The game itself changed and evolved so much and it's going to continue to evolve. So there might come a day when they start respecting the running backs again mm. yeah. <laughs> and, and start relying on us again because right. – you know, with this NIL thing, quarterbacks may not be the same kind of quarterbacks. They may be, <laughs> right. they may be prima donnas by that time because they're getting paid so soon and so early, right. and they're not earning things mm -hmm. like they used to. And players, as you know, you got your prima donna quarterback. You're going to run into another hardhead in that, in that locker room that's just going to call you out right. and may even punk you out. Mm -hmm. I hate to even use the word, but they may just – You can say it. They may even try to take your manhood. Right. So because we, we, want, if we want a leader that's going to lead us, we want you to earn it. Correct. We don't want nothing given to you. And so I believe Kareem believed that someday it was going to happen. He just didn't know when. He just wanted to be around to see it. Just like I want to be around to see it. Mm. Uh, that's, that's a long way to go, though. It's a long way to go. <laughs> it's a long way to the go. The game has changed. The game has changed. It's changed. And so I would never say never because, you know, like to say, the game is changing and the game is steady evolving. And uh, with all the other concussion protocols and everything else, mm -hmm. Longevity is really what makes a record like that very strong. Shouldn't that record have been made in Dallas, man? That would have been the sweetest way. What you mean? What you mean? The, 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 the record, if he was still in Dallas, you ain't go to Arizona. Oh. oh you if you were in Dallas, playing for Dallas, drafted by Dallas, played out, did major record, you had, you, the proof's in the pudding, you were, you were physically capable of setting that record in Dallas. He set it in Dallas. Did. Against, C against Seattle, the Seahawks. 2002, October yeah, But the whole, the, whole, the whole big record, you should have stayed in Dallas your oh, whole you, career. Oh, so you're saying finish his career. So yeah, finish your career Started finishing right, Dallas. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. It would have been nice to do it that way, 
But closure is something that every man and every person need to have in their life. Mm. And I think closure for me and proving that I can still go as far as I could, that's what I was after. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go further than what Peyton did. Yes, I got seven, I got 16727 right there in Dallas. But I wasn't gonna stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't ready to stop. And so when the opportunity presented itself for me to go to, because I would have, I would have stayed in Dallas, they would just sign me. Yeah. yeah. Restructure my contract. Mm-hmm. I would have stayed in Dallas and played for about a million and a half mm-hmm. instead of the 10 that was due. I would have did whatever to stay in Dallas, to play with Parcells. Because I knew Parcells was coming in to change the environment that I was just coming from, mm-hmm. which needed to happen. Yeah. Which needed to happen. I mean, guys like Darren Wilson and, and other key players on that defense and offensive team, they deserve better than what we had in 02 at 01. They deserve better. And I wanted to be a part of that change. I knew I wasn't going to be that long, mm-hmm. but I wanted to be a part of that change. But what I found, though, Shannon, that, since you asked that question, I found how much my heart was intertwined with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. And that's how come I was able to get closure. Mm-hmm. When I went to Arizona, I loved it. It's, it's, it's crazy, because I've always liked coming to Arizona. If you remember, they used to have the Fiesta Bowl, Samaritan, and the All-American team. And so I came out here with the Air All-American team for the very first time, and it got a chance to experience the desert from a different perspective. And it was so beautiful coming from the state of Florida. You don't yeah. see stuff like right. this. And so when you see it, it's like, wow, I can, I can live here. I can live here. So when the opportunity presented itself and the Cardinals wanted me to come, I'm like, sure. I got a chance to extend my career and go out here to Arizona, give this a shot. And when I came out, I gave it everything I had. Players, Marcel Shipp, Damon Anderson, Larry Fitzgerald, Antoine Bowden, uh, Adrian Wilson, all these young players are all around. Josh McCowan, all of these guys, Josh Scobie, all of them, all of them around. Leonard Davis ended up coming out and all that. They they were all there. And the thing is, what I appreciated about them, they were great teammates. They soaked it up like a sponge. They wanted to know what it what was it like. Because they see me show up at five o'clock in the morning to go work out. I'd be in the gym by myself. Yeah. And they coming in about 6, 37. Like, dude, why are you here so early? This is what I do. Mm. They see me in practice running 40, 50 yards down the field and jogging back. Dude, why are you running so far? I'm preparing myself for the game. When I get in the open, I want to take it to the house. This is the way we work. They start doing it. And that part was awesome. But when I went back to Dallas to play the Cowboys, and I went in as a visitor, we drove down on that bus. It is the first time I went into Texas Stadium in a bus, on a visiting bus. Yeah. Got off the bus, walked into the visitor's locker room, saw my Cardinal uniform, and I looked around. I fell out of place yeah. for the first time ever. Fell out of place. I sat down in my locker. I looked at that uniform again. I stood up and I come to realize, and I said this out loud, I'm not supposed to be here. This is not my room. I broke down in tears and cried for 45 minutes before we played that game. I mean, boo-hoo, cried like a sobbing baby. And I had to get myself, my teammates didn't know what to do. I had to get myself together and go on the football field and play a game. And so when you start talking about the emotional and the psychological of players and so forth, we go through stuff. Mm-hmm. And I went through a heartbreaking moment 
knowing that this is not where I was supposed to be. This is not what God placed me at. This wow. is not what he wanted for me. He wanted me to be with the boys and do what I do with the boys. But he also had a different plan. And I had to accept that plan. That plan was to transition out wow. and help others as I leave the game and leave them with something that they can go with. And so that time with the Cardinals was a transitional time. Sometimes he'll take you on the backside of the desert just to get your attention. And I knew after that game, uh, when I was holding my daughters and I got my shoulder all jacked up, where Williams knocked the living crap out of him. <laughs> we saw. We saw. I ain't lying, man. I'm going to slap him next time I see him. <laughs> but I love him to this day. Having that moment gave me a chance to have closure. The only thing I had to do was finish and honor out my contract with the, with the uh, Cardinals and give them the best I could. So You, you talk about closure, Emmett, and I love that. Uh, why can't we get closure from the Cowboys fan who's living off the days when you guys were great? Because <laughs> right now, they, they, they seem like a bunch of crazy, obnoxious, they lost. Uh, delusional. They lost. The Cowboys fans are tough. How do we give them tough. closure? How often have you played in Philly? <laughs> no, I mean, Philly fans, Philly fans are, are they're, they're crazy, tough fans. I think they kind of understand where they are. Cowboy you fans think? be like, they be way up here. Man, every year I got a Philadelphia fan to my, okay, the, the, the Eagles going back to the, going to the Super Bowl this year. I'm like, what? Really? This is back even before they became good. <laughs> From other people's perspective, because I hardly ever hear about how bad our fans are unless I hear it or see it through the lens of someone else. I think we have some of the best fans. They're not bad as in bad. Okay. They're just obnoxious. Yeah. 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 They crazy about some Cowboys. And everywhere you go is Cowboys. So that just shows you how big the brand is. The brand is everywhere. How many of you guys in the room wanted to be a Cowboy when you grew up? Let's, let's be honest. I wore, I wore 22 in middle school because of <laughs> Right? You're not going to be honest? Who was your I, team? I'm being, I was a Philadelphia Eagle fan. Uh-oh. Oh, my gosh. I'm taking, see, I'm taking my tequila back. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> but, but in my defense, let me explain it, right? I played quarterback my entire life until, so, like, my it. sophomore year of high school. My name is Ryan Clark. The Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, who was one of the very few quarterbacks that looked like me, had my same initials. So Randall Cunningham mm. was the quarterback of the Philadelphia mm. Eagles. So I felt like there was a familiarity with with him yes right and I was like that's what I want to be like that's who I want to be so it was I didn't love the team I just loved the man right and I was like I could see myself in that it wasn't I mean I didn't play running back maybe if I played running back I would have wanted to be like Emmett yeah but I didn't I get you know it no, right? look, I think I love the man I think I was a Cowboys fan because yeah, of Emmett. You know yeah, yeah, because I, mean, yeah, I was 22 because of you. Yeah. When you check, just, I wasn't worried about Novacek or Nowowski, <laughs> whatever his name was. What you just touched on, though, are the things that draw people to the game. Yeah. Sometimes it's not about the team. Sometimes it is about the player. Sometimes it's about the team and the player because if the player happened to be on one of your favorite teams, now they become your favorite team. I, I mean, it happens all kinds of ways. And so it's that piece that you just described. The familiarity that you just talked about is what drew you to Randall Cunningham, not necessarily the Eagles. Yep. Because you're right, sometimes the guy in that position supersedes the organization. Mm -hmm. And people, oftentimes fans, they sometimes they don't even know why they fans. They just love it because mama loved it. Mm -hmm. They love it because I grew up with it. I mean, I grew up watching the Cowboys when I was a kid, and they were one of my favorite teams. I know, but I was going to ask you that. 
you said as a kid, yeah, you were gonna be a cowboy. Like stood up on the couch, like nah, that's the team. That's the team I'm gonna play, play for. That's the team I want to play for right there. How does that happen for you? Was it just that they were they were good and you would see them on TV all the time? What was it about the Dallas Cowboys that drew you to them as a child? I think it was Roger Starback and Dorsett, Newhouse, Tom Landry with the hat on the sideline, the cheerleaders, all of that. They and plus, back in our day, Ron, we only had three channels, ABC, NBC, and, and right. Uh, CBS. Right. <laughs> and TBN, uh, TB, TBS, if you had cable. And so the Cowboys was America's team. They, was, they were promoted and marketed that way. And so they were on the primetime games just about every week. So I would watch them out of the South, because who else I was watching? Atlanta Falcons? Right, right. I see the Dolphins. The New Orleans Saints at the time? No disrespect to Archie, Archie Manning. But I, I was a fan of him, too. But when you look at those three teams, who's the oh, best? Yeah. <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> you know, it's the Cowboys. And so, for me, that's what I grew up. I'm like, yeah, that's where I want to put. I couldn't imagine that feeling for you growing up that way and then actually getting to play in that place. And I feel, and I feel like what happens in those locker rooms for the Cowboys is different. Right, our producer right. is a cowboy fan in the sickening manner, right? <laughs> like, like not necessarily, yeah, not necessarily. So Cries I think, a, I, yeah, I think a lot of our feelings of Cowboys fans comes from personal experience. Yeah. So that's that's the first thing you know I like to say. But we've also, because your team and your era was so great, we've had an opportunity to sit down with the playmaker. We've sat down with Charles right. Haley, and I know you have a unique relationship with Charles Haley. Charles came in in team issue clothes, right. feet ashy as hell, and immediately started roasting us. <laughs> Emmett, why ain't you tell us about the crazy uncle? You, you had to read it. But, <laughs> it but was, it's just a different level. It's on a totally different level. <laughs> but Charles, man. <laughs> See? <laughs> uh, Playmaker does the same thing. Every time he says Charles' name, he starts You laughing. have to experience it in order to believe it. <laughs> You have to experience it. But Charles' heart means, means well. Mm -hmm. He really does. As out of the box as Charles is, he has this soft, gentle heart if you are able to break through all the, the other cluster. Mm -hmm. And Charles and I, we spend time, because he was hurt, like I've been hurt, everybody hurt. So when you spend time in a locker room or in the training room with someone, and you both are going through it, you have ways of just connecting. Yeah. And so with Charles, Charles, he never let up though. Never let up. <laughs> so one day Charles was messing with me. He come fooling around with me and I grabbed him by the locked hands and I squeezed his hand. I knocked his hand out of joint. He located his face. And he like, ah, ah, he broke down like a little kid. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, I just, then we put it back. Right. And from that point on, he's just trying to see if you can take it. Mm. That's what it is. I'm trying to see if you can take what? Whatever he throws at you. That's the, you're talking about the cluster. And, yeah. and it's coming. It's like a tidal wave. It's a tsunami of stuff just coming at you. But in quiet moments with Charles, if you can get him right, you can see his heart. And, and I think he has a huge heart. And you just got to understand what you're dealing with. And it's all over the place. It really is. It's just Charles, man. I mean, I, it's kind of hard to even describe. 
Yeah, and then going Pensacola to Gainesville. That's like to, going back to Pensacola. To Dallas. So you said small town, small town, everybody yeah, loves yeah. you, high school All-American, college All-American, everything, first round pick. Like you ran through it. Then you get to Dallas with them boys like Charles Haley with the clutter around them, but the fame, America's team, you brought right. up. What, what Was it a just a eye-opener to you when you got to Dallas as their future and the person that's going to change the organization? Well, first of all, they didn't even know what the future looked like. They just drafted a guy with the anticipation that this guy has the potential to be a good back for us. No one knows how good you really are until you really prove yourself and how you handle everything else, the success, the shortcomings, your work ethic, your focus, your, your study habits, and all those kind of things. When they start to see that you take your job seriously and you are a pro and they understand that you have a mission and your goals are always high, it's beyond what they do. Because what they had for me, I broke the mold. They, they, they probably thought I was going to be there for four years or five years and I'm going to be out. That's what most writers was writing. I'm not big enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not strong enough. How can he survive? When you go beyond those things, the question then, they'd be like, okay, how long can he last? Well, shoot, he's still here. Mm-hmm. The Energizer Bunny's still running. <laughs> and then when you get to 2002 and you do something that no other man has ever done outside of Peyton, and then Jim Brown prior to that, who set the first mark, then it's like, he's still going. And so for me, the consistency over time was really what I was after. Because that's the only way you're able to break through cluster and molds and everything else in terms of what people see for you. People put their limitations on you. If you allow that to, to just a flow and filter through who you are, then you're not really operating in your gifts. Mm. And for me, I was always about my gifts. If I did it in high school, which I believe is some of the best high school football in the, in the country. The best. The best. If I could do it in the SEC against some of these players that's been drafted one, two, and three, and four, and free agency and all, if I could do it there, how come I not, cannot do it here? I played against Troy Aikman my freshman year at Florida when we went to Honolulu and playing the All-America, playing the bowl game out there against Ken Norton and James yeah. Washington and Troy on the same team and, and all that. And I played against Andre Bruce and Tracy Rocker when they was with the Auburn Tigers. I played against Derek Thomas yeah. when he was at Alabama and so forth and on and on. I'm like, some of the best in the game. And y'all trying to tell me I can't play? No, that don't work for me. When I got drafted that day, and when I got on the plane to fly to Dallas, in the I polka didn't even, dots, in, in the polka dots, yeah, <laughs> and what I could afford at the time, <laughs> I'm getting on, a, I'm leaving, and my dad said, "Son," he said, "You're gonna make that team a better team." Mm. I said, "Why do you say that?" He said, "Because you're gonna have all the pieces that you did not have in Florida." Wow. And they don't know what they're getting. And when I thought, think back on it, the Cowboys didn't realize what they were getting because they got a guy who loved them more than they realized. Mm. and who embraced the star like it was his own star. And I was going to hold on to that star and make that star shine as bright as I possibly could for the position that I was playing for as long as I possibly could. I didn't realize how big the star was and how bright the lights were. Didn't realize it until you win in championships and you rolling around like rock stars on buses and you getting off, there's crowds of people sitting there waiting for you. Didn't realize it. When you can go into enemy territory, you show up and there's 
45,000 fans there to cheer you on, and you played in the Coliseum against the Raiders. Right. On their home stadium. Didn't realize until you go to D.C., and you see all them Cowboy fans up there, and then you go to Philadelphia the same way you go to New York. <laughs> it's on and popping. And didn't realize it. Then when you play the Steelers, mm. you, then you realize the history of the game. Yeah. And the magnitude of that, those two teams. Then you play the Niners. It's yeah. like, okay, this is how we're going to define ourselves? Let's do it. That's how it was for me, man. That was like, yeah, I'm in my element. <laughs> Let's so do it. My, my, my question there is, too, Emmett, you know, you speak of the, the Dallas Cowboys and the star and the bright lights, but Emmett Smith has to go home, too. Yeah. Emmett Smith has to be there for EJ and yeah. for Skyler and yeah. for Reagan. And you have to separate yourself from the league's all-time leading rusher right. and just be dad, right. just be present. Right. How are you able to compartmentalize those things that when Emmett Smith gets home, He's not the star running back of the most prestigious organization in right, football. Right. He's just Emmett, who Mary raised, who right. Emmett raised, who grew up with his brothers. It's just like, how did how were you able to separate that and now instill the things in your family that you learned growing up and through your experience? Great, great, great question. You know how you turn lights on? That power? When you're playing with the Cowboys, the lights are on. When you leave that facility, the lights are off. For me, I was able to flip that switch and go home and be, and want to be home, want to be normal, want to be that guy uh, in, the, in the house that's taking out the trash, <laughs> that guy that, that's able to uh, pour wisdom into my children. But you know, as kids, they don't, they don't always receive everything that you have to offer, but you try to give them as much as you as you possibly can, as much as they can handle. Mm -hmm. Some of them want it, some of them don't. But you gotta find where they are and go to where they are and be where they are. Uh, but you wanna make sure that they're disciplined. And those are the things that Mary taught us, was being disciplined. Right. And having this belief that you can do things, but you gotta put your mind, body, and soul to it. And you also have to learn how to work right. at it. It just doesn't come naturally. You can't just, and I tell my kids, you can't just ride off my gifts. Mm -hmm. These are mine. You have your own set of gifts. We have to develop these things. I had to develop mine. And I had to develop them through all kinds of channels, whether it's my cousins instilling in us how to play the game, teaching us the fundamentals of the game, or whether it's a coach that give you this, this, this tongue lashing because you fumble the ball four straight times in practice and let you know that you cannot play this game and no one will give you any opportunity you keep letting that ball down on the ground. It, you got to go through some stuff in order to appreciate the true gift. And you got to recognize that you have a gift. First and foremost, most people don't even realize their gifts and, and how good they are in certain areas. And then you're learning through this portal or this transitional of life at every level there's always something else to learn. Are your kids as driven as you are? Do they come from the same environment which you come from? No. 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 So how can I have a high expectation unless I got one of them kids or two of them kids that's willing to go through the fire to get it? EJ may not have my mindset. He got a piece of me that makes some sense. He trusts me 
He believed that I have information for him. He knows now as he goes through. That's why he trusts me with some of the decisions. Now, can I be too much? I'm like, because I, yes, I could ride you. I'm like, son, what you thinking? I said, let me ask you this. Tim Hardaway and his son had a conversation, and Tim was trying to teach him something, and he didn't want it. And Tim asked him, I think he asked him a fundamental question. Am I overpowering you with this? And he was like, yeah, you need to give me some space. And EJ said the same thing to me one time. Because I, I asked him asked the question, am I giving you? He said, Dad, he said, sometimes you can, you can be a little hard. I said, cool. I said, so it's not that I want to be hard, son. It's just I want the best for you. That's all it is. But let me just say this. I don't want that to happen. I just need you to tell me, do you want to talk to me as my son? And you want to have a dad-son conversation? Or do you want to have an Emmett Smith-son conversation? Two different things. I'm going to always try to be the dad. But as long as you're playing this game of football, there's nobody on the planet going to love you and take care of you the way I'm going to take care of you. Your dad done been through it. You gave me your name. Why you think you got it? <laughs> yeah, but, but the, that, that's. But he got to have those shoes to fill. And no, then no, the, the big no. story was he, you know, when he picked the stamp and had over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My heart was broken. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I heard, I heard how you talk about it on TV. I don't know if your heart was broken. My heart. No, was my heart was but, not broken. But I had the same thing. My dad went to Penn State when I visited Penn State. Joe Paterno and them were there still back in the day. And I would have went to Penn State. It was just too cold on the visit. Yeah. I went on January. It was like 11 degrees. I was like, Copaterno, I can't come and live here. This is crazy. Mm-mm. But giving the kids your name, because I have a junior. Mm-hmm. My, I'm, I'm a second, actually. I have a third. Right. And then giving, giving the name, did you put too much pressure on them? Because I almost feel that way about my son now, because people around town in Miami know me. Mm-hmm. So they see my son, they're like, hey, Channing Crowd. Even though Emmett doesn't know me by your standards. <laughs> but they'll be like, Channing Crowd. And then my son will be on the list of a baseball team, and right. they'll be like, and they'll start looking around the stands. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Of, of the, what about your kids have, being Emmett Smith's children? Popularity-wise, they get it, and they want their own identity. So that's first and foremost. With EJ, uh, I actually wrestled with this uh, in terms of giving them my name. I mean, we, we were looking at names like Tristan and, and <laughs> something else. We was looking at different names, and he was born on my birthday. Wow. I said, shoot. <laughs> I mean, to. come on, man. How can my kid be born on my birthday? <laughs> this is you, dude. You take this. Period. And, and so when that happened, I was like, okay, I get the message. Yeah, yeah it is right there. This is, this is part of my legacy. And he's going to be part of my legacy regardless if his name was EJ or something else. But that's part of my legacy. That's truly it. There's nothing that's going to break this chain right now. It's like Emmett Sr., Emmett Jr., Emmett III. Now I got Emmett IV, who's born on my birthday. Take it. I did not know. Now he's a baby. You never know what your baby's going to do. He could have grew up wanting to play baseball, which he did, yeah. play soccer. He played just about every sport. He was very gifted, very talented. He didn't want to play football for a couple of years, so it took him out of, out of that. He played for Dion's team back the, with yeah. the truth. And <laughs> then finally he got to uh, junior high school. He said, Dad, I want to play football. I said, we'll see. I want to see how bad. I want to see how bad he wanted it. The next year came around, he said, I want to play football. I want to play junior high football. I said, okay. After you start, I don't want you to quit. I want you to finish. He said, don't worry. And he took off, took off. And I started to see something on the football field that I, that I did not have. We started working on developing the skill set. I wanted to train him as a wide receiver. 
and therefore he can run routes outside. He can come out of the backfield and do all those kind of things. He got great hands. Now I got to see you compete. Well, he went to Dallas Jesuit, transferred from his school, went to Dallas Jesuit, and played six eight ball against Allen High School, DeSotos, and stuff like that. And he's on the he's at a private school, so he out here scoring four and five touchdowns, catching beating the most of folks. I'm like <laughs> yes, I was like okay, you got something, and I knew you had it. And he developed it. He wanted to develop it. He wanted to set up all these training. He'd come to him and say, boom, boom, boom. And, and the way we went. The same thing would happen for Reagan. The same thing would happen for Jasmine. The same thing would happen for Skylar. And Elijah just doesn't want to play any sports at all. So, okay, cool, son. You want to act? Let's get you some acting lessons. Whatever we're going to do, let's do it. Let's go full throttle at it. And that's, that's the approach. You mentioned uh, rock star lifestyle. Everywhere the Cowboys went. It was like a rock, rock star atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But take it back to Dallas in the rock star lifestyle. Practice, the game, it can all become overwhelming. Right. And you guys had a place where you can make a pit stop, the infamous White House. How many times did you detour? <laughs> I cannot confirm nor deny. <laughs> what you talking about right now? <laughs> we went to the White House three times, though, Fred. What's no, it? not that White House. The infamous White House. Confirm one story. One of your most memorable White House moments, if, if we're able to. What are you talking about? Well, we'll take it. it. We'll... <laughs> Confirm one story. Is it something that all of the guys signed up for and say, we cannot neither confirm nor deny this this myth, what are whether you it's a about? myth or not. See? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never heard of it, right? Okay. What are you talking about? Well, t- well take me here, take me here. I had a cream um, color car. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, bigger than life. You know, uh, the only running back to win the crown, league MVP, Super Bowl MVP. And, you know, on the outside, we see Emma Smith. Always happy, fun going, the businessman, just everything about you. But there has to be some adverse moment throughout your career, mm-hmm. you know, cause we've all gone through that. I know Ryan, you know, he, he went through his stuff in Denver mm-hmm. where he lost his entire inside. That's another thing. Channing, you know, he's had 17 knee surgeries. <laughs> if he stood up right now, you could see why, what, all the <laughs> surgeries. But your adverse moment, what's that moment that we might not know about? In 96, 97, I signed my biggest contract with the Cowboys at that time. It was a contract extension. Signed it at 3 o'clock that afternoon. It was on a Thursday. And I think we had a preseason game that night against Denver. I take off running, bounce up, get to the next level, and the power falls on me Mm. from behind. I sprain my knee, badly sprained ankle. I don't know if it's a high ankle sprain, but it's badly sprained. So didn't think much of it. I'm out for the rest of the preseason, so I'm getting ready for the regular season now. We go to Chicago, I believe. Everything is all taped up and everything else. I go over the top, laying on my shoulder funny, and I'm slightly paralyzed. Wow. So this is how my season starts and grows on. So every game, my ankle was swelled, and I never knew why. And, I, and it kept swelling so bad. And they kept saying, well, you got a high ankle sprain, you got this, you got that, but yada, yada, yada. This went on for the whole entire season. And now, I'm in the middle of my, my career, and people starting to say, I'm on the backside of my career. But they didn't know how badly I was hurt. And so when people start throwing daggers at you, and you, you, you know the truth, but there ain't nobody else stepping up for you and telling people how bad you are, 
And then when Thanksgiving rolls around, then they finally say, well, you know what? We think we need to have surgery on his ankle. I want to go inside. Like, like, it took you like 10, 12 weeks to figure this out. I've been in a training room every week, and they're all I hear from you, ice and stem, ice and stem. Take this medicine. Do this exercise. Oh, this and that. And I'm just, I'm getting roasted. <laughs> they got me on the cover of this and everything else. So we talk about this star that's shining, but we also talking about this guy that's supposed to be declining. Season ends. I go get an independent review. Take the same old x-rays. Fly to New York. Visit with Dr. Hamilton. Grant Hill's doctor. Mm. Come in. My mom and dad with me. Get a guy to x-rays. He takes another x-ray. But he looks at the x-rays and he draws a circle. He said, here's your problem. He said, you, you got a broken bone spur in your ankle. And, and we're going to have to operate on it. I'm like, okay, when you want to do it? Tomorrow. So book rooms we stay. Next morning, I'm in the, I'm in the surgery. Get ready to go in. I said, how long you think it's going to take, doc? He said, it should take about two hours. Four hours later. Mm. Four hours later. I'm coming out. He said, you did a great job in there, blah, blah. I'm like, I was asleep. I don't know what's going on, but you, you must have did a great job. He said, well, when we got in, it was a lot worse than I thought. You had broken a couple spurs, and you had 20 others that I had to get cleaned up. He said, but you're going to be fine. He said, you should have been in here 10, 12 weeks ago. He said, I don't know how you lasted this long. Had to deal with that. And had to deal with that drama and all that. So... That was an, and the only thing that got me through that whole entire, because I went through a state of depression during that time. Mark Tourney, my office alignment, he and I was in the tub together the whole entire, entire time. And I was sitting over there soaking. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And because you know when you have your goals and you're not even close, you're like, will I have a chance to reach it? Right. Or is this going to be the end? Will I bounce back from this? And how well will I bounce back from it? And so from that point on, I recovered, got back on the football field. Everything felt normal again. Felt normal again because I was able to uh, not lose a step, not lose a beat, still be who I was and still be able to carry the rock. And I just got cleaned up. Just listening to you tell these stories and all that went along with, you know, playing for the Cowboys, it almost seems you, you get into retirement and life gets easier. Uh, you know, all three of us, are married and I've been married, I've been married 19 years now, Freddie T, 20, I think Chan, which you're on 11. Yeah, 12. And so, you know, you look at all those dynamics in a relationship and what happens to us when we do retire, as, as we get older. And now you're starting a, a new chapter, have started a new chapter of your life. You and your ex-wife, Pat, you know, decided to get divorced. How difficult is that when you go through so much mm -hmm. with someone and you reach a point to where you make this decision because you think it's best, but all those people you have mentioned of having to take care of, having to raise, are involved, and in the end, you're still Emmett Smith. Right. And that's gonna be seen different than if Joe Small on the street does that well, for 20 years. Emmett Smith tried not to lose himself in Emmett Smith. Mm -hmm. Meaning, you talked about Mary, you talked about Emmett, you talked about my upbringing and so forth. Those are the things that I hold dear to to my heart. Um, and even in this situation here, um, which we still have a great relationship, 
Yeah, uh, we know what's in, what, what is important. And it's important that we, we, we're there for our children. And that will never, ever change. And that's the way we're going to approach it. Love is still there. And, but I understand that times we, we have to go apart sometimes so we can find ourselves again. And uh, we're not quite divorced yet. So, but, uh, but uh, yeah, we're, we're still going through it. But I, I see us going through it, through everything with, 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 with style and class like we always have been. Yep. And that's the way it's gonna be. She's not a vindictive person and neither am I. And so I think we both have an understanding that uh, we have a greater responsibility, not only to each other, but our greater responsibilities to the people that we brought into this world that didn't ask for these things. They wanted to have mom and dad, and they're going to always have mom and dad. And that's the way it's going to be. I love that. Also, too, though, Emmett, are we going to ever get a, a reoccurrence on Dancing with the Stars? Don't think so, homie. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. Hey, listen, it's early in the morning, Emmett, but you you brought us a little gift, man. You don't, have, us... to, you don't have to pop it right now. You can pop okay, it. Okay, we're going to pop Nobody it later. Nobody else knows how early it is. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a show. <laughs> hey, we can, we can tell them it's whatever time of the day. Exactly. No, no. Oh, man, so what I'm, you got I'm, I'm here, I'm going to mine with some happy dad. Yeah. I think that would be a no, good... No, man, I come bearing gifts. Every time, I, you know, we, I come to a show or do something at the Super Bowl, I come bringing the head of door tequila. This right here is Ultra and Nejo. Uh, some people call it Cristalino, but it's the best, in my opinion, on the market. You got all the other ones until you try that one. Do you have to roll the R when you pronounce it? Yes, you do. Okay. You know, I'm not going to try it because they, yeah. they just recently clowned me yeah. about rolling the R. You know I sell the boys, man. <laughs> hey, he tried, he tried to say sombrero the, the other Sombrero? 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 Yeah, sombrero. And, and oh. That's not how you say it. That, that, that must be a... a uh, a Florida game. What is happy gifts? day? Man, we're going to bring some gifts to you, man. What is that? Hard oh, Celsius. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm intermittent fasting right now, bro. <laughs> That's why you look so good. I was work. wondering. We're going to take something with you. Yes, sir. We'll give you a box. I was wondering how you were all slim. <laughs> when we sit down with somebody like you, who's such a great storyteller, but has so many stories to tell, and it's three of us, we're like, oh, we got to ask this, we got to ask this. This is one of, this is when you become a fan. But for you, you know, we had Brian Dawkins on recently and I wanted to just give him an opportunity because the questions we ask might not always be what you want people to take away from your interview or from your opportunity to talk. We all know the stats. Mm -hmm. uh, we've all seen, like you said, the, the bright lights shine on Emmett Smith. Mm -hmm. What is important to you that people know about Emmett Smith? I would just say that as much as they, people want to put not only myself but us athletes on pedestals, you must remember it's not money that's defining who we are. I don't think any of us played the game for the money. I think we played the game because we absolutely loved the game. The money was just a secondary component. The world wants to make more about the money and how much a quarterback get paid, how much a running back get paid, and whether or not he's worth all that. That's the world's judgment upon you as an individual. But for me, it was all about maximizing my true potential. And it's still going to be that way because potential don't just begins and ends with football. It yeah. supersedes football. And being a good person is, is not necessarily a chore. It's who you really want to become. And I am steady evolving every day by extending 
and, and learning new things and growing every day. I'm not afraid of growth because where there's new growth, there's new opportunity. And as long as you are on the planet, you have an opportunity to maximize your true potential. There's always an opportunity for you to grow and learn new things from somebody because this is nothing new. Somebody have come before us anyway and have shown us a way. Some of us are taking it and going even further. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's, that's how you're maximizing your gifts. And for me, I would just say that I am a human being. I'm flawed. But I'm also one that's always working to try and get better. I may make mistakes. Some of them may be public. Some of them may not be public. Whatever, I have to retool and rebalance and keep moving forward. And that's what I'm going to continue to try to do for the rest of my life. There are certain opportunities we get here and... You mentioned speaking to your kids and how EJ understands who you are, who Emmett Smith is, who dad is. I think to us, you're always going to be Emmett Smith. You're always going to be one of the greatest football players to ever touch the field. But what we got to learn today was about the man. And you are right. When we see the star on the helmet or when you watch the highlights, you never know what someone is going through during that time, except for what other people tell you. Right. So it was so cool and such an honor to get to sit down with you and listen to you tell us a little bit about your story. All I know is this, your father, your mother raised you the right way and you have continued to give people who watch you and admire you the things that they need to learn from someone who has the ultimate success, but also the ultimate humility. Thank you for taking this time uh, it was truly a blessing to us. And if I had to be around three Florida Gators, I'm glad one of them I could like. <laughs> yeah, man, I thank you guys. And much success on this show, man. Y'all are doing a great job. good in that blue, man. Hey, man. Started from the beginning. Hey, only Dallas Cowboys still wear the colors. <laughs> That's They're it, pride. man. They're pride. Oh, if, man. I went, if I went three of them things, I'd act man, like that, too. For sure. Appreciate you, brother. Good yes, to see you, too. All love, yeah. Hold up. Limitless. Take a simic cap, pin in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pin in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. On the mission, got me up.